Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome to the Gospel for Life. Unfortunately, we are not full bore again today. Josh is not with us. It always, When Josh is gone, it always reminds me of the line from the great um, movie series Ice Age, uh, I can't remember which of those great movies it comes from, but they're talking about this character named Sid, and they say that he is the icky, gooey glue that holds the group together. And um, I feel like that's Josh. He's the icky, gooey glue that holds the group together. And so when he's yep. not here, we feel like we're yeah. falling apart. Yeah, but he he left enough residue to keep us together. <laughs> so. We'll, we'll be all right. So I do have with me in the studio Phil Moran and Jonathan. How are you guys? We're doing good. Great. Always good to be here. And we have been working through a topic that Josh picked and then left. Um, so I think this that, is that, a... That's, that's wise. You know, that, you know, it's like the pastors that uh, hand out to their assistant uh, the sermons on tithing and divorce and remarriage and all these and then they'd say i'll take mother's day and father's day <laughs> i i have to admit that i did do this one time um i was going to be gone and i had done a pulpit exchange with somebody else and i was at the point in um, preaching through the heidelberg catechism and one of the sections deals with the apostles creed and the sunday the series that i was in on the apostles creed we were right at the phrase, he descended into hell. And so I just let the guest minister preach that sermon. I thought it was a good what a, idea. What a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll never work for you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it worked out timing-wise just great. Anyway, we digress. We have been working on the big topic of how does the church and state, how do they interact with one another? Um, and we have been using James Bannerman's book, um, The Church of Christ. It was written back in the 1800s. He's a Scottish minister. Um, I think it's a thousand-page book. So we've been using that as a rough guide. And if you remember where we were, I think Phil's going to remind us where we were. It looked like Phil was going to remind us. No. Um, what... Basically, Bannerman's argument was that the church has a sphere of influence. Its leadership um, is appointed by God, and they have certain tasks and authority within the realm of the church. And the state, the government, also has the same thing, that their rulers are those no one rules in the secular world apart from God, um, putting them into that place of, of authority. And they have certain responsibilities. And the fact is that those the church and the state, um, though they sometimes overlap in 
their influence, but they don't overlap with regard to authority. The church doesn't tell the state what to do, and the state doesn't tell the church what to do. So that's where we were in Bannerman. But I know you know that because, as always, you are hanging on every word that we say, which we do really, truly appreciate. So that's kind of the backdrop. And today we want to apply this to certain biblical um, moments. So we're going to start in Daniel chapter 1. And I don't know if either one of you guys want to just give the, the general setting of what's going on in Daniel 1 and, and how then we're applying. Yeah, well, that's what I was actually ready to do a moment oh. <laughs> ago. <laughs> so sorry, I looked like I was ready. I was ready to talk about Daniel. If you know your Old Testament history and just a little bit of review here, one of the great crises of Old Testament history is the exile. And in, it began in 586 B.C. when the Babylonians laid siege to Jerusalem, conquered the city, and dragged uh, much of the leadership class. Uh, no, they didn't take everybody, but it was, it was much of what, what you may call the leadership class were taken away to exile in Babylon. And it was a huge crisis for the Jewish people uh, because they're taken away from their homeland, the land that God had promised them. Um, and now they're, they find themselves far away in this strange land that does not honor God, um, that does not honor Jewish law. It's a, it's a pagan land, and, well, it's summed up in the 137th Psalm, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? It's, this is a huge crisis. So the, peop, the, people, the, the, the people of God, the Jews, have to make, a, make decisions about how do we get along, how do, how do we be the people of God in this strange land that doesn't honor uh, our, our faith, our way of life, doesn't honor our God. And, uh, and by the way, th- this is why the book of Daniel, I believe, is one of the most timely books in, in the Bible right now. I mean, all of God's Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. But there, at some points in history, some books are more, more timely than others. And right now, we're at the, our moment in history as Christians in the United States of America, the book of Daniel is very timely because of this. And I was just going to quickly interject that it's, it's good that we have one of us as ministers that has recently preached through the book of Daniel. Oh, wait and, a minute. Oh, wait, That's he's Josh. Gone. Okay. No, he's gone. Yeah, and okay. he's gone. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just I'm going to hog the mic for one more moment to make a make an observation about contemporary America and particularly Christians in America. That for most of American history, Christians have had an Exodus model in their heads about the role of Christians and the, the place of Christians in the United States of America, and really the identity of the United States of America. We very and and sometimes inaccurately, I think drawn identity from the Bible that we are, in a way, the promised land, and our, our ancestors came here for religious freedom and uh, found this wilderness and uh, that already had some people in it, but they were pushed aside, and this land became, for us, the land of promise. Now, to whatever extent that was true, and, and the, the, the idea of Christian America, that, that we in some way are the people, we knew, we've always known we aren't the Old Testament people of God, but we in some way are a Christian people, and you know, to, to whatever extent that was true, 
I want to uh, say to the listeners right now, we are no longer in the promised land. We are in exile. Christians in the United States of America now find ourselves in a culture that doesn't, rec- a society that doesn't recognize our God, that doesn't honor our ways, uh, that doesn't acknowledge our worldview, and, and in fact is often virulently opposed to it. So this is why, brothers and sisters, all of a sudden the book of Daniel, wow, is perhaps in the, in the Old Testament particularly, one of the most timely uh, books uh, for us to be looking at how do we sing the Lord's song in a strange land. Uh, Daniel and his three buddies, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they are a model for us of how we relate and particularly relate to government, which is our theme on this show, uh, because they take a role. Daniel takes a role in the government of Babylon. And so does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, they're models for us in how to serve Jesus and relate to government at the same time. And chapter 1 of Daniel talks about this whole idea that as these young men have been brought to Babylon and are going to be instructed, taught, um, one of the things that was also a directive of the one that was in charge of these, these young men was that they were to be fed the king's food. Yes. And that was problematic for these Jewish men because it went against um, the, their dietary laws of the Old Testament. So they couldn't be faithful to God and accept the, the meal plan that they had in Babylon. Right. And it's, it's interesting that the response is, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank and then this, therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So this would have been in a clear, um, it was a clear conflict with, with what God's law had said. But Daniel still extends a courtesy to the government official mm-hmm. to ask him not to do this, that this is a, something that goes against his conscience. Now, we're not told... What happens? Um, what would have happened if the if the government official hadn't agreed to what Daniel had said? But it is interesting that he did extend a courtesy. Yes. To say, I'm asking that you not do this. Yes. Not force this issue. Um, and God honored that situation. And and um, yes. But I think it's interesting that there's this asking. Yes, and, and, but still, Daniel chose a place to stand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he couldn't remain, there was no way he was going to remain untouched by Babylonian culture. And, you know, he couldn't hermetically seal himself off, he and his friends. But he chose a place to stand. And, but you're right, he, he went and sought permission of the government, and that, that's, that's something very important. I think it's important that uh, you understand that he can't go against his conscience too, because yes. to go at that point to go against conscience is to go against the Lord. If you feel like this is you know something that has been dictated to you by by God's word, then to, that's your conscience is bound to that. Now, the conscience is not always the best guide 
but it is a it is a guide. God has given us our, our conscience, and particularly when it's informed by the Word of God, that's what we need to follow. It's interesting that just recently, um, you know, there there's an article written about uh, you know J.K. Rowling and uh, yeah. talking about how um, she won't go against her conscience. You know, she she's actually received an an award from uh, uh, what was what's the what's the group the uh, Ripple of Hope Award from the Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Organization. Well, because of her stand on transgenderism and uh, these things, um, you know, they've made this, uh, the people, that, the organization has made some statements about her and her um, views on transgender and everything. And uh, in, in response to that criticism, she says, I have no other option but to return the Ripple of Hope Award bestowed on me last year. I'm deeply saddened. Uh, that uh, that the organization has felt compelled to adopt this stance, but no award or honor, no matter my admiration for the person for whom it was named, means so much to me that I would forfeit the right to follow the dictates of my own conscience. Uh-huh. And you know, the person that wrote this article says, "Would that we all had the same kind of moral clarity, you know, with regard to the Word of God." Yes, Amen. And I I think she's modeling what we see in Daniel one. Mm-hmm. That you you act according to conscience, but you do so in a very respectful way. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you make it clear. Um, hey, thank you for the offer of food. Thank you for the award. Mm-hmm. But I cannot do what you're asking of me um, because, in the case of Daniel, my conscience and my God doesn't allow it. In the case of J.K. Rowling, just her conscience. That's all the time we have for today. We'll see you tomorrow. 